talked to him a bunch last night. He's no, he got out late Friday, but he's he's still pretty out of it. I didn't think he would be here today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Glad you are here today. It's good to see everybody here. It's good to gather in the name of Christ to worship the Lord together. And we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets this morning. They're on each row. We'd like to ask uh, if you would fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, And as we begin our worship today, we'll be mindful of those who are um, traveling today. A lot of people uh, took off for fall break, and I'm sure they'll be coming back this uh, uh, today to get get back in school tomorrow. So uh, we'll be in prayer for our travelers today. And uh, thank you, men's class, for a wonderful uh, breakfast this morning in our fellowship cafe. You did a great job. Thank you so much for that. Come on, let's give them a hand. <laughs> also, thank you for our, our volunteers for our uh, Highway 60 yard sale last week. I understand we netted, what was it, over 20, about $2,100 for our missions. So... So that's good. We, we appreciate all the help there, uh, bringing your stuff in and volunteering to help and buying other people's stuff. Um, uh, we are collecting soup for uh, Christian uh, Henderson Christian Outreach. So if you'd like to uh, drop off your cans of soup, we would appreciate that. Uh, and that'll be going to Mary and uh, Henderson Christian Christian Outreach. We have a blood drive that's coming up. 
Wednesday? Wednesday. It's already here. So if you would like to make an appointment uh, to, uh, to give your blood, see Jika, and she'll be glad to, uh, to take it. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> okay. All right. Also, we uh, please uh, we're, get ready for our fall festival that's coming on coming up on October 31st. And uh, Sybil, I think you want to make an announcement for that. Lana Hopgood has graciously um, accepted the task of handling the food and getting everything together. However, she does need help. Um, if anybody is interested in making cookies, two or three dozen cookies to pass out as dessert for that night. She's also needing servers, needing kitchen help to clean up after the festival because we have upward the very next morning in here, guys. So we got to clean everything up that Friday night. Um, also, monetary donations. If you can't come help serve or you can't make any cookies, if you want to give her some monetary donation to cover the cost of the chili and the hot dogs, um, she has a sign-up sheet. I'm going to give it back to Lana. If you will please get in touch with Lana um, and let her know how you can help her out, that would be great. Also, decorating for the fall festival, we will be starting at 7.30 that Thursday evening before the fall festival on Friday to decorate. So if you um, would like to come down and help us out with decorations, we need to pull everything down from upstairs and then decorate um, after upward practices over that Thursday night. So anybody interested in helping with decorations, be here about 7.30 Thursday night on the 30th. Thank you. Thank you so much. We could uh, use your help that day. It's going to be a big day. Uh, our fall festival is always a, a big community event, and we'll have, I think last year we had over 400 people here uh, who uh, had chili that night and hot dogs and played games with us. So uh, uh, please come and, and help us with that. We would appreciate it. Uh, we could also use your help after the worship service. Our upward uh, basketball and cheerleading uh, program is resuming after taking this fall festival or fall break week off. And so we will be starting back up. So that means we need to move all of our chairs today. And so if if uh, you would uh, would would help and uh, stop after the worship service and hang around for a moment and help us uh, pick up the chairs, we would certainly appreciate it. And now let us stand and let us greet each other in the name of God.
reading today is titled Renewal. If you'll please join me with our responsive reading. Renewing God, our souls like our surroundings need a good cleaning.
Help us make hard decisions about what to keep and what to give away. Let us know when enough is enough, when we all have, we can say grace over, and when we have space to care for more. And as we pay attention to what is important, let us make room for the new thing that you are preparing for us. Dust, shine, polish, clean. Renew our lives until they are ready to receive the fresh spirit of your presence. Amen. The parable of the wedding banquet. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, 
Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. <clears throat> but they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the street and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. this for Miss Brittany this morning. Okay. Have you ever received an invitation? Has anybody ever got an invitation? Uh-huh. An invitation is a special way of asking, would you like to? Would you like to come to a birthday party? Have you ever got an invitation like that? Or she got one? Or would you like to come over and play? Would you like to go to the movies? Can you guys think of any other invitations? Anywhere else that you get invited? Uh Uh-huh. A play date? Uh Uh-huh. Don't those sound like invitations that you'd like to receive? Uh Uh-huh. Me too. But But receiving an invitation is really just the beginning, isn't it? It's nice to be invited, but then you have to say that you're going to go, right? Birthday parties are only fun if we actually go to them. It's great to get an invitation, but if you don't go, you don't know how fun they are, right? So a successful invitation has two parts. One person makes the invitation, and they hope that another person accepts it. 
As I read this week's gospel lesson, which tells the story of an invitation, I couldn't help but think about the way that the Bible is like an invitation. You guys know what I'm talking about? God uses the Bible to speak to us about kindness and forgiveness, about sharing and love. And in that way, it's like an invitation from God. But just because the Bible says these things doesn't mean that our work is done. In fact, it's just beginning. Like other invitations, we have to accept to help God, you know, and to do the things that he tells us that we should do. So, will you accept God's invitation this week? Okay. Bow your head, if you will, and let's pray. Dear God, we know that you have invited us into your presence. Help us to accept your life-changing invitation by living lives of love and kind. Amen. Thank you, Miss Brittany.
us pray together. Generous God, we ask like King David, what are we that you are mindful of us? What are we humans that you take care of us? And yet you do. Those of us in this room have roofs over our heads, food in our fridge, and warm clothes in our closet. Many of us here fight with our weight because of our abundance. We gather stuff from our closets and are grateful for places where we can rid ourselves of our junk. My goodness, God, open our eyes to those who live in their cars, who spend their days trying to figure out how to eat, who work to find the fact that our trash is a really a pile of their treasures. Remind us that we have a duty to take care of your children so that all may have enough. Take our money, our time, our resources. God, take our lives for the fulfilling of your kingdom. Amen. Amen.
I heard about an older couple uh, who were getting married, but and both of them were widowed, and all of their children were grown, and so the combined children sent out this wedding invitation on behalf of their parents. It read as follows. Phil, Richard, Karen, and Allison, and John, Matt, and Steve request the honor of your presence at the marriage of their mother and father. Because they are combining two households, they already have at least two of everything. So please, no presents. Reception and garage sale immediately following the ceremony. (laughs) Can there be any more hopeful event on earth than a wedding? Jesus loved weddings. His first miracle was performed at a wedding. And on one occasion, he referred to himself as a bridegroom. And so it's not at all surprising that at least one of his parables should be about a wedding. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So he sent his servants to those who had been invited to tell them to come. But their response was unusual. They refused his invitation. Now, this just didn't happen to refuse the king's invitation. But apparently this king had rubbed some people the wrong way and they didn't want to come to his banquet. And so the king sent some more servants and and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But again, his invitation was refused. Some said that they had to get back to their fields or to their business Others grabbed the king's servants and abused them and even killed them. So as you can imagine, the king was enraged. He sent his army to destroy those who were guilty and burned their cities. And he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go out into the streets and invite anyone you find. And so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad and the good alike. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, this sounds a lot like another parable that we've dealt with before uh, about a landowner who rented a vineyard and some uh, to some rebellious tenants. And when the landlord sent some sent his servants and even his son to collect the rent, the tenants abused them and even killed them. But this story takes a little twist, the one we're talking about today. The story takes a little twist because, you see, the wedding did go on with those who chose to come. But listen to this. When the king came to see his guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. And so he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. The man was not wearing the right clothes. I guess everybody else was wearing tuxedos and evening gowns, and here he was, this guy with a pair of blue jeans and a flannel shirt. So it makes me wonder, does wearing the right clothes really matter? Some of you will remember when David Brinkley was one of America's favorite newscasters. And in his memoir, he tells about going to work with NBC back in way back in the 1940s. This was... 
during the radio era here. And, and at the time, NBC considered itself to be the ele- elegant network, the elegant network. And the rule was that after 6 p.m., all of their radio newscasters were required to read the news while wearing tuxedos. Now, think about that a minute. Can you imagine that? This was radio, folks. The radio audience couldn't even see them. But the management believed that their attitude and their presentation improved dramatically when they were wearing the proper clothing. Interesting. So what's your take on that? What do you think about that? Would you prefer that the newscasters wore tuxedos or do you think it really makes any difference? Do you have a dress code at your work? Would you prefer to dress more casually during the week? I'm getting amens here, folks. Some of you probably agree with Linda Ellerby, who says, if men can run the world, why can't they stop wearing neckties? How intelligent can it be to start the day out by tying a tiny noose around your neck? Gilda Radner once said, I base my fashion taste on what doesn't itch. (laughs) But let's face it, the times are a-changing, especially when it comes to what we wear. The whole world seems to be moving towards casual Fridays all week. I heard about one woman who was employed by the human development department of a large corporation, and her job was to train employees in the area of proper dress and etiquette. And one day she stepped onto the elevator and a man casually dressed in jeans and a golf shirt got onto the elevator with her. And think about her responsibility. She said, dressed a little casually today, aren't we? And the man replied, that's one of the benefits of owning the company. Many executives, especially in new high-tech companies, are dressing more casually these days. Doctors are dressing more casually these days. Teachers are dressing more casually. Even pastors are dressing more casually. You you attend a worship service in some of our fastest-growing churches, and, and the pastor may very well be wearing blue jeans. So does it really make a difference? Well, Jesus tells a parable about a wedding wedding guest who was not appropriately dressed. And this was not because he couldn't afford the proper clothing. Some of you have probably been a part of a wedding party in which a a bridesmaid or a groomsman were, were asked to provide their own dresses or their own tuxedos. And this might be an economic hardship on some people, but not in this story. Because, you see, scholars tell us that it was customary in Jesus' day for the host, especially being a king, for the host to provide all of the wedding garments. The clothes were there. That He gave them the clothes for all the guests. So, you see, there, there was no excuse for this guest to be dressed improperly. Instead, this seemed to be a case of either ignorance or obstinance. And given the fact that others had already refused the king's invitation and the fact that the king offered free clothing, free wedding apparel to everyone who attended, this man seemed to have been making a statement by dressing the way he did. 
And so the king told his servants, time up, throw him out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Now some of you are going, what? Are you kidding me? Just for being underdressed? Well, this is another one of those hard teachings of Jesus that can very easily be misconstrued. For you see, this parable is not really about clothing at all. It has nothing to do with clothing. (laughs) And honestly, I don't think Jesus cares about what people wear. He's not so petty as that. But what this text implies for us is that there are certain qualifications for those who follow Jesus. And this text is telling us that God doesn't care how you dress, but God does care how you live. Many people today have heard the message of grace. Jesus loves me. Jesus accepts me just the way I am. Whoopee, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But wait just a moment. That's only a part of the gospel. A few years ago, Jerry Martin and I, along with some other members of our peer learning group, went to a series of lectures given by Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright talks about this passage. And he says that we want to hear a nice story about God throwing this party open for everyone. And we don't want to know about judgment. We don't want to know about demanding standards or holiness or about weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he goes on to say that Jesus' love reached out to those who were invited to the feast where they were. But his love refused to let them stay. As they were. You see, love wants the best for the beloved. And so their lives were changed, healed, transformed. Actually, he continues nobody really believes that God wants everyone to stay exactly as they are. God loves serial killers and child molesters. God loves ruthless and arrogant business people. God loves manipulative parents who damage their children's emotions for life. But the point of God's love is that God wants them to change. God hates what they're doing and how it affects everyone else. And ultimately, if God is a good God, then God cannot allow that sort of behavior or that sort of person to remain at the party. The point of the story says, right, is that God's kingdom is a kingdom in which love and justice and truth and mercy and holiness reign. And these are the clothes that you need to wear for the wedding. Those are the clothes you need to wear to the wedding. Love, justice, truth, mercy, and holiness. And if you refuse to put them on, You're making a statement. You're saying that you don't really want to stay at the party. Now, you may think that those are hard words, but they are very much a part of the gospel. You see, God does love us just the way we are. But God expects us to clothe ourselves with the character of Christ. 
That's one reason we come here every Sunday. It's so that we can get to know Jesus so that we might be more like Jesus. Some of you remember one of the best-selling songs back in the 1970s, My Sweet Lord, written by former Beatle George Harrison. Uh, The song was about Harrison's journey to find God through various kinds of religions. Um, You remember some of the words, my sweet Lord, oh my Lord, my sweet Lord, I really want to be with you. I like to see you, Lord. Oh, it takes so long, my Lord. I really want to know you. I'd like to go with you. I want to show you, Lord, that it won't take long, my sweet Lord. Shortly before his death in 2001, Harrison was asked about his spiritual journey and the The question was very appropriate since it was Harrison who introduced the the Beatles to Eastern mysticism in the 1960s. And he wrote this song, My Sweet Lord. And to the end of his life, Harrison continued to investigate matters of spirituality. And he summed up his priorities like this. He said, everything else in life can wait, but the search for God cannot wait. Now, Harrison's song cut across all kinds of religious faiths, so we can't really claim it as a Christian song. It was for everyone of all faiths who seek God. But I think we can relate to its sentiment. Because, folks, we all want to find and to be found by God. One of the great philosophers of the 20th century was Mortimer Adler. And for most of his life, Adler was convinced by philosophical arguments that there must be a God. He logically believed that there must be a powerful, creative, intelligent force behind this universe. But he didn't worship this being because the philosophical arguments that led him to this belief in God could not show that God was good Or that God was interested in him in any way. And so Adler believed in God in the same way that he believed in the ozone layer. God was a fact, but not necessarily a friend. And then one day an old man, or as an old man, Adler was sick in his hospital bed. And a friend came and prayed for him. And while his friend was holding his hand and praying for him that day, Adler found that tears had begun to stream down his cheeks. And he found himself praying. He only knew one prayer, and that was the Lord's Prayer. And so he found himself praying that prayer day after day and believing its words. And he said that his leap of faith, for him, it was not a jump to conclusions based on insufficient evidence. But it was a leap from ascent to devotion. He changed from believing in God as a fact to loving God. He had always known that there was a God. But now he knew that God loved him. We all want that, don't we? We all want God. We we want to know God. We want to see God. But here's the question. Here it is, folks. Do we want to be like Jesus? Jesus is 
the epitome of God here on earth. And here is the most important question that you can ask yourself today. Do we want to be like Jesus? Do we really want His willingness to forgive others? Do we really want His compassion and His concern for the least and the lost? Oh sure, we want God and we are willing we were are willing to come to God and accept God's grace. But are we willing to let God change us into the image of Christ? Paul Seipel led a team of scientists who studied the conditions at the South Pole. And in his workroom, he had a globe of the world, but it was a little bit different because, you see, it was upside down. He was at the South Pole, you see. And he said, when you're right side up at the South Pole, the rest of the world is upside down. And he said, that's the way Christians feel in the presence of Christ. Because, you see, Christ is the center about which our world turns. Christ is our peace and our joy. And with Christ, love and goodwill are the rule instead of the exception. With Christ, forgiveness and understanding are the order of the day. And so God wants us to come to the wedding feast. But God also wants us to put on the proper wedding garments. He wants us to put on Jesus. Isaiah 61 speaks to this. As he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For God has clothed me with the garments of salvation. God has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That's what this parable is talking about. Being clothed with the robe of righteousness. There's one man who did that in the most dramatic fashion. His name is William Neal Moore. And I actually got the opportunity to meet Billy Moore a number of years ago. Back in 1975, Billy Moore committed a horrible crime. He broke into an old man's house. He stole his life savings. And he shot him to death. He was caught. He was convicted. And he was sentenced to death. But while he was in prison, Billy Moore gave his life to Christ. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Another one of those death row conversions. A matter of convenience when you're about to meet your maker. But that wasn't the case with Billy Moore. You see, he truly was a changed man. It made a difference in his life. He was a different person after he gave his life to Christ. He started counseling other prisoners there. He he started leading Bible studies. In fact, he converted so many prisoners in his cell block that it became known as the most peaceful, safest place in the whole prison. He wrote to his victim's family asking for their forgiveness. And being the Christian people that they were, they granted it. And not only did they grant his forgiveness, but they also worked on his behalf to prevent his execution. Now listen to this. After 16 years on death row, the Georgia Pardons and Parole Board voted to commute Billy Moore's sentence to life. 
and granted him parole. That had never happened before. Never before had they ever taken a guilty person off of death row and set him free. But Billy's Moore, Billy Moore's great witness and influence in prison convinced the Pardons and Parole Board that he really was a new man. My friends, that's the kind of thing that happens to people who truly give their lives to Christ. The difficult thing for you and me to see is that, is that God wants to make dramatic changes in our lives. I mean, we think we're pretty good people and, we, and we're, we're so grateful for the grace of God. But you know what? God wants to make so much more of us. A man was at the party without the proper clothing. Could that have been you? Could that have been me? We have accepted God's grace, but have we really sought to yield our lives to God's direction? Have we really tried to clothe ourselves with the character of Christ, with the robe of righteousness? Is it time you really got serious about your faith? Is it time you accepted the free garment that Christ wants to give to you so that you can enjoy the wedding party. When the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. You see, God loves us just the way we are. But God doesn't want us to stay that way. God expects us and implores us to clothe ourselves with the character of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 441, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. And I know most of you people here today, and I know that for most of you, Jesus is, is there. Jesus has come into your heart. My prayer for each of us is that that makes a difference in how we live. Let us sing together.
good. You have kindled within us both insight and inspiration, which has significance for our time and for all eternity. You have opened our ears to hear your voice. You have softened our hearts to receive your truth. You have revealed yourself to us that we may learn to find you everywhere. And now, as we leave this place of worship, may we become unobstructed channels of your love and of your saving grace and of your goodness. Amen. Amen. And by ways tonight, we're going to start Christmas. Christmas!